Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, August 10th. Today we are reading from the big book, page two in Bill's story. We're at the bottom of page two with, we gave up our positions, and off we roared. Today's readers are Paula, Kim, Sarah, Rick, and Sharon, and we thank you. And the reference share code number for yesterday's meeting, that's Thursday, August 9th, is 2828. Again, 2828 for yesterday's meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Anne S. to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. Hi, my name is Anne. I am a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, try to carry this message to the compulsive overeaters, and practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Marjorie to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Marjorie, compulsive old reader. One, a commonwealth fish should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating. 
Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or always a whole. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, uh, the compulsive overeater who still suffers. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. OA should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Yeah. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book in Bill's story. We're on page two at the bottom paragraph, and I will ask Paula to start us off, please. Good morning, all. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. We gave up our positions and off we would on a motorcycle. The sidecar stuffed with ten blankets, a change of clothes, and three huge volumes of financial reference service. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had had some success at speculation, so we had a little money, but we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. We covered the whole eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. Ah, truly. Off they would, you know, and and, and we can see this clearly here, that um, this man was on a high. And I remember when success would follow me. Yeah, there were many times it was success. And I said, oh, wow, wasn't this great? Yeah. But it, it goes to the fact that, I mean, how many people would do this? Get on a motorcycle and we're off. This man had really ideas of grandeur. And, boy, he was going to live them out. And there we see him living them out. And he had his wife. And she believed him because, as he said, you know, a paragraph before, you know, uh, 
I would steal her forebodings. Yeah, this is the best thing to do. By telling her that man of genius, there he was. He believed that himself. Did I not? Conceived their breast projects when drunk. Oh, Lottie. That the most majestic constructions of philosophical thought were so derived. Well, there you go. And here we see it. There you go on that motorcycle. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We gave up our positions and off we roared on a motorcycle. The sidecars stuffed with tent blankets and change of clothes and three huge volumes of financial reference service. Um, indeed, you know, Bill has an idea. <laughs> and when he has an idea, he uh, is quite the determined individual. And uh, he pursues that with everything he's got. And so currently, uh, you know, as we're reading here, he's pursuing that idea and uh, he's using that intellect and he's using that knowledge that he has and he's using the charisma and the motivation that he has um and it is self-will run riot here you know uh chasing chasing something that's outside of himself um in order to fill you know a need a void that he has but he's not quite aware of that uh, I recall reading that Lois, you know, obviously went with him, but uh, Lois, Lois's uh, goal was 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 different. Actually, she thought that this change in position and this geographic change would control his drinking. That she wanted to get away too. That was true, but her reasons were different. She was so concerned about Bill's drinking that she wanted to get him away from New York and, and the bars. you know. And I know from my personal experience with my geographic cures or with different tangents that I would go on in terms of uh, you know, different pursuits and accomplishments, that no matter where I went, I brought myself with me. You know, I could run, but I could not hide from this disease. This disease always followed me because the disease resides in my mind. The greater aspect of the disease resides in my mind. You know, uh, I could run. I could run. I could run into different jobs. I could run into more money. I could run into different relationships. I could run here and there, but I always brought myself with me. All action is born in thought, and uh, the greater aspect of the disease resides in the mind. With that, I pass. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, I just, this paints such a picture. This paints such a picture. Here are Bill and Lois in a motorcycle with a sidecar packed up with tent, with these three big volumes, and off they go with their clothes on their backs couple extra changes of clothes. Can you picture it? Can you picture it? And they were willing to do this. 
Lois was willing to do this, yes, because she was already concerned about her husband. And perhaps his new idea, this new idea of how it was going to change their life, how it was going to make him successful, would be helpful. Maybe this idea would be helpful. And remember here, they'd already been told. Their friends thought they ought to send out the lunacy committee. Their friends thought they were crazy to do this. But Bill had this idea. And I don't know about you, but when I got an idea, sometimes I couldn't do anything else but follow that idea because this time it was going to be different. This time it was going to be different. And you know what? Bill went to all these different places. But he would wait until the people got out of the factory, got out of the business, and went to the local bar. And then he would make himself friendly with the people who worked at this place and try to find out the inside information about what was going on. So during this period of time, his drinking was not stopping. This did not stop his drinking. But he could be focused on this idea, this idea. And it held him together for a while. But pretty soon we're going to see the rest of the story. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, then we will move on to the next paragraph with Kim, please. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For the next few years, fortune threw money and applause my way. I had arrived. My judgment ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. Drink was taking on an important and exhilarating part of my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands and chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I had a host of fair-weather friends. I love this paragraph. You know, I had arrived. This is when everything's going Bill's way. You know, we're so much more uh, amiable when things are going our way. And this just reminds me of times when I've gotten the goal week. You know, things, I got the weight off. Um, I remember quite a few times I would lose the weight and I would dye my hair blonde and I'd buy blue eyes. And uh, that was, I had arrived. I, would, I, I wanted that, that mask of, of success. And that to me was a certain goal weight, a certain hair color, a certain eye color. But it says here, drink was taking on an important and exhilarating part of my life. You know, I used to go to parties and food was just, part of the enjoyment. Now the food was becoming the main part and the enjoyment was beginning to become part of the background. You know, he says here he's spending thousands and chattered in millions. Once again, that mask, that persona, excuse me, that persona of being happy, that persona of things are working my way, but I knew it was temporary. I knew that, that the food was becoming more and more important, the control, the um, the idea that other people had to think of me as successful was becoming more important, and I knew it was leading, so it was a frightening time. You scoffers could scoff and be damned. I had made a host of fair-weather friends. You know, that, that my friends were dependent on my success. They were dependent on what I could give to them. Was I, was I treating them to, uh, you know, to, to the, out to dinner, or was I giving them what they need? And that was part of my mask. I'll be whoever you want me to be, and then you'll be my friend. So even though this, this is I had arrived, 
in Bill's story here, he's painting that idea that it's very fleeting and it's very superficial and that the drink is becoming more important and therefore the disease is progressing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Of course. Good morning. This is Sarah, compulsive overeater. Um, this, you know, I, har- I had arrived. You know, it's blocked out in my book because what's his definition of I had arrived? My judgments and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. He was having social acceptance. He was having financial rewards, and he was still coming up empty. Because what was it? It was paper and his ideas. And he had such, Bill had so much incredible talent, and he knew it. He had leadership skills. He had, like Leah described so beautifully, his charisma, his um, intelligence, his knowledge, his, um, his intuitive sense, and he was able to make so much money for people. But the bottom line was it was very, um, like Kim just said, it was very superficial and very temporary, and it was all outside of himself. And his definition of arriving, now we're like looking at the at the progressive illness part of where the disease of how it's assuming, you know, and it's getting, it's growing inside of him, but it's it's not built on bedrock. It's built on quicksand, and and what's so, you know, I, I, it's exhilarating to to he's taking exhilarating part of his life is through drink, but what's exhilarating is the knowledge that he eventually that that God pins him against a wall, and this is he comes you know, through the recovery process comes to realize that um that really arriving is is cultivating a relationship with God and not on his own judgment and his own ideas which led him deeper and deeper into the quicksand, but to humble himself and have the humility to listen to God's judgments and God's ideas and being open to a vastly more wonderful, strong, and established existence, even if it's not the tune of paper millions, it's the tune of people millions. And and it's, a, and it's an incredible thing to witness, to see from that dark, the increasingly darkening despair come, becomes the opportunity to rechannel that to um, to something real that we benefit from. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? It's Rick. This is Katie. Rick, and then Katie, please. Good morning, Rick, compulsive overeater. Uh, the last line: I made a host of fair weather friends. Uh, Bill had money, and he had people that uh, pumped him up. As long as his his friends were telling him what he wanted to hear, it was great. They were he was surrounding himself with people that uh, boosted his ego. Uh, if they didn't tell him what he wanted to hear, 
he didn't have much use for him. So he's starting to tell us about the relationships that um, he had during his drinking career and um, the difficulties he had with uh, handling people. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Rick. Katie? This is Katie, a compulsive overeater, and I was going to talk on that same line, but just even before that, scoffers could scoff and be damned. I made a host of fair-weathered friends. So it sounds like there were people who maybe had, um, who did care about him, who were saying, look, look, Bill, you're, uh, you're, you know, spending a lot of money, you're drinking a lot, you're doing all these things, and and he ignored those, and he just um, stayed with the people who would agree with him, who would uh, not uh, confront him on his behavior, and, you know, I, I can so relate to that, that I, you know, people could give me warnings about uh, things I was trying to do, and I, I just didn't want to hear, hear from them. I even did that in the rooms of OA. I would call people who I knew would would um, justify my erratic behavior and say, "Oh well, you know that's okay. You didn't, you know, next time you'll do better." And I would um, I would not hold to the hard line of sticking with people who were recovering. And this is what he's doing. He he has no idea the depths that alcohol can take him. And, of course, he's writing this in hindsight. So now he can look back and say, you know, those friends, those fair-weather friends, where were they when life really got hard? Well, we're going to find out in the next paragraph, in the following paragraphs, that, you know, things didn't keep on this way. And we spend so much time trying to find the perfect situation as if the situation is going to make me change. It's not the situation. It's me that has to change. And as uh, fun as this sounds, it also sounds, for someone like me, it's very lonely to be in those situations where everybody seems to be having such a good time, but I'm not really having a good time because I am in the grip of my disease. And I can laugh all I want, but if I am picking up the food, it ain't fun. So that'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? I'd just like to comment on this part here. Uh, I had arrived. You know, this is an example of self-will run riot. Bill is operating on his own. He's going it alone here. He's uh, making a host of fair-weather friends. That's true. Uh, Fair-weather friends, you know, are those types of friends that are present and dependable only in good times. You know, he's not really connecting with anybody. He's not really having any relationships, so to speak, intimate relationships. He's going it alone. And that's exactly what happens for an alcoholic is that, we have this self-centered existence. You know, we essentially play God. We play God. You know, we, Bill is standing on his own two feet. He's running his own show. He's ruling his own destiny. He never turns to anyone for help, certainly doesn't turn to God for help, and he gets the same help from God that, you know, someone who absolutely doesn't believe gets, which is, which is nothing. 
he he has arrived. You know, he has arrived. Um and and that speaks of pride before the fall. You know, he has done this all on his own. You know, I am God, you know, and and kind of beating one's chest about it, but we all probably have experienced what that's like. You know, when you arrive, watch out because then what happens? We rest on our laurels. You know, once you're at the top of the mountain, if you feel you're at the top of the mountain, well, then, you you know, you sit down and you enjoy the view. Well, you you can't do that. You know, there is no rest. There is no rest when it comes to, uh, certainly when it comes to recovery. Um, you know, uh, there is no rest. You can only coast downhill. And once he feels like he's arrived and he's, He's uh, accomplished all this based on his en- intellect, based on his knowledge, based on his willpower, based on his determination, based on the ability uh, to navigate people and navigate the financial markets. Uh, it's all him. It is all him. And boy, uh, what a crash he's going to experience. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Okay, then we're going to move on to Sarah, please. Good morning. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. There were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. There had been no real infidelity, for loyalty to my wife, helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. I'm going to stop there just because the distinction from the paragraph before is so um, extreme from before he had arrived and the remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row and I became a lone wolf. He was being followed by many and now he's all alone. And his drinking is assuming more serious proportions because he's using his drinking. He's drinking when he's happy and he's drinking when he's sad and he's drinking when he's with everyone so he can feel connected to everybody and he's drinking when he's all alone. And and that was me with food. Eating to celebrate, eating to isolate. And my definition and you know, we say so often it's like um, the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. Thank you, Leah, for just popping out of your mouth so easily and so well. Um, it, it does. It resides in my mind. And my definition of the good life um, from friends and money and um, good food and fair weather friends and um, and that sumptuous apartment and thinking that things are going to bring me happiness and more drink and more food and more and more delicious food and what's new on the market and what's you know and how good can it get and how cheap can I get it and um, but in all of that his he's He still hasn't 
there's still that part of him that he recognizes, you know, even in hindsight, that he's still loyal to his wife. He's not, he's in isolation. He's a lone wolf, but he still, um, he sees that at least he was, at least he was loyal to his wife, which was helped by his drinking, which maybe helped him, you know, stay connected to it. Keeping he he stays out of real trouble because the real troubles in his own mind, and um, and through and I just I have to keep focusing on what how this is the spiritual the the downside of the spiritual makeup that helps him. Um, just like it's like a um, like a seesaw, it's like a balance. So whatever strength that he has for the negative to fall into that loneliness and the seriousness of the allergy of his body that is drinking and more and more and more to try and um, alleviate that either the either the pain or to the connection or whatever it is the escape of of drinking the power of all that um the negative of the self the self-centeredness and and the negativity that goes is is just um going to build up and connect to to create this the power that will enable him to accept the spiritual solution and the key to his freedom and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Penny Paula. Hi, this is Phyllis. Okay, we have a lineup here. Um Phyllis, you go first, then Paula, and then I heard some others and we'll sort them out. Please go ahead, Paula. Uh, well this would be Paula. And I um I want to look at that. I became a lone wolf. Bill has uh, always used words in, in such an appropriate way. You know, what is a lone wolf? A lone wolf travels alone. He's not with the pack anymore. For some reason, he's, he's different, whether he has a limp, whether he's sick, whether he's too old. He cannot travel with the pack. And we see there, it terminated what? My friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. He couldn't travel with them anymore couldn't travel because this, this this sickness was taking him. And then it says in the next line, there were many unhappy scenes in a sumptuous apartment. Now that seems so, now here you have this beautiful apartment. So here we see Lois's forebodings, what she saw for the future. Here we see it in the present. With that, I will pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula. Who's next? This is Phyllis. Phyllis, go ahead. Hi, um, just a couple of things. This little paragraph just keeps showing the the progression of the disease in him. Uh, no more friends. He's isolated. And the infidelity, he didn't have any. He was, um, the infidelity was his drinking. Uh, he just, you know, his number one thing was just to drink, drink. The allergy, the obsession was was so uh just took over his life and uh there was nothing that's why he was the lone wolf he just wanted it was just drink 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 and nothing else was in his mind and with that I'll pass 
Thank you, Phyllis. Who else would like to get in on the fun? This is Janice. Janice, please go ahead. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, what are we changing to here? We're seeing definitely the progression of the disease. You know, drinking had been an exhilarating part of his life. You know, it was happy. It was joyous. It was cheerful. It was fun. But what was drinking turning to now? You know, what was drinking turning to now? Now it's causing problems. Now it's starting to cause even more problems, more serious proportions, Bill's telling us. Started drinking every day, every day, during the day, almost every night. And the friends are starting to say, Bill, you've got to stop this. Bill, you're, you're in trouble. Bill, we're seeing something here. You're going to get yourself into serious trouble here. And those remonstrances of his friends ended in a big fight, in a big fight. And, and he couldn't listen to it anymore. He couldn't listen to his friends. So it ended up in a big fight. And in his apartment with his wife, they're fighting too. And she's saying, Bill, you've got to stop this. Bill, you're in trouble. Bill, I'm worried about you. And he couldn't listen to any of it. He couldn't listen to any of it. All he could do was keep on drinking. And he says there was no real infidelity. There was no real infidelity. Meaning he's still hanging out in the bar rooms. And there's women in those bar rooms. But most of the time he's so drunk he can't do anything about it. So there was no real infidelity. Loyal to Lois though he was, he's still out in the bars. He's still drinking every day and almost every night. You know, this is so sad. The physical, the physical consequences of the disease are beginning to show themselves in Bill. And still, he cannot stop. Still, he cannot listen to his friends and his loved ones. And I don't know about you, but I've been there where people were worried about me and people could see what was happening to me. And they tried to offer, you know, why don't you just push away from the table, Janet? Why don't you take a walk instead? Why don't you take a bath when you feel like eating? You know, there were all kinds of ways in which they thought they could be helpful. But it was the progression of the disease, steady, steady, steady progression. No matter how great those remonstrances, no matter how loving those friends and family members. And it's, Bill is painting the picture, and it's not a pretty one. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else on what was read? Hi, Leah. This is Audrey from Minneapolis. Audrey, go ahead. Good morning. This is Audrey, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Minneapolis. You know, we talk about the lone wolf and what happens in the self-pity um, for many of us with the addict mind. And it seems like, as my sponsor has helped me to learn about myself and, and uh, uh, some of my sponsees, is that the addiction to being a victim and emotional binging happens uh, long before we pick up the food. And in the um, exploration work that I've done on that, uh, in the big book here as well, frothy emotional appeal, this lone wolfness of it, it often happens with the self-pity and the, you know, woe is me, and we build shrines to these 
these emotional problems. And it's been so helpful to learn how to just like to be recovered in this moment, to be surrendered in this moment. Uh, you know, maybe later I can binge emotionally on something, but not right now. That has been so helpful in terms of understanding the core of, um, you know, the addict mind and, and, and this lone wolfness and self-pity. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Audrey. Anyone else? Press star one to unmute. Yes, it's quite incredible, you know, as I read this paragraph, uh, comparing it to the previous paragraph, you know, we see the progression here. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. I mean, what happened? You know, the paragraph before, drink was taking an important and exhilarating, an exciting part in, in my life. Uh, now we're continuing to drink all day and almost every night. We see a loss of control. We see the progression here, a preoccupation with drink. There is a preoccupation with drink here. There is a loss of control. He's got destructive behavior going on. Uh, his friends are pleading with him, and he is turning away from them. He is isolating from them. He is moving away. He's justifying his behavior, evading all the um, concerned comments that his friends would have, uh, manipulating others around him, uh, you know, lying, deceitful, you know, there had been no real infidelity. I mean, doesn't that sound like what we do? <laughs> we justify, it's not real dishonest, it's not real infidelity. I didn't really steal, I didn't really lie, I didn't really go there, I didn't really say those things, I didn't really do that. I didn't really do that. That's exactly what we do as the disease progresses. We see a frequency of drink increasing almost all day and every night. We see the intensity of the alcoholic. We see the duration of the drink. And we see all this behavior, the justification, the difference in perception. Everybody else can see clearly what's going on. Bill has his own Perception going on, disease of perception, self-centered existence. This is about me. I got everything under control. Why are you guys all concerned? Why are you worried? I got this thing under control. Don't worry about me. I'm good. You know, don't worry about me. You're seeing it wrong. We have our own vision. Bill has his own vision. It's the alcoholic vision. Self-will run riot. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? If not, we're going to move on with Rick. Thank you. Good morning, Rick, compulsive overeater. In 1929, I contracted golf fever. We went at once to the country, my wife to applaud while I started out to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. I began to be jittery in the morning. Golf permitted drinking every day and every night. It was fun to carom around the exclusive course which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till 
with amused skepticism. Well, now Bill, uh, Bill's going out to uh, be a be the best golfer in the world. He's going after Walter Hagen. Well, Walter Hagen was the Jack Nicklaus or the Tiger Woods of the day, and um, even though even though he was he was deep into his alcoholism, as he has stated in the couple paragraphs before, golf became important. Everything was going to be all right as long as he looked good on the golf course. And I I love it where it says, I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. So he was looking good. Well, how many times did we go on that diet only to look good? We didn't care about anything else, only what we looked like. If we could get into that uh, pair of pants, if we could wear those clothes, if we could uh, take our shirt off at the beach and not worry about it, that's what we were worried about. We didn't care about anything except our our own personal vanity. And what Bill is doing here is he's covering up his, his troubles with booze because he looked good and he felt good. And he, he had a, a new God. His God was the golfing world. And that's that was more important than the uh, destruction that was going on. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Anyone else? Like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this, this is Kim. Carter. Kim, and then Janice, please. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Hi, everyone. It's Kim again. I began to be jittery in the morning. Golf permitted drinking every day and every night. You know, when we first enjoy our eating, I know it was like Friday and Saturday night was the time that you would go out and you would binge and you'd have fun with your friends and the celebration because the celebration included drinking. But he's getting to the point now where the drink is the most important thing. So he's looking for activities that he can drink at. The activity is becoming secondary. Golf permitted drinking every day and every night. If the golf didn't permit drinking every day and every night, he wouldn't have played golf. You know, so we're looking for those activities that we can go to. I know how that, that was kind of me, with me with the movies. You know, I used to go to the movies to hang out with friends so that I could listen to these movies, and of course I'd order something from the, uh, the, you know, the, you know the, the goodies or whatever were there. But then I started to go to the movies because of what I could buy there. And then I stopped going with friends, and I would just say, well, I like to go to the movies by myself. It's enjoyable. And then I started smuggling food into the movies because the, the food they had at the movie theater wasn't good enough. So the, the, the golf was incidental. It was that it allowed him to do the binging. The movie was incidental. You know, I got to the point where I didn't go to the movies. I just stayed home and rented movies because I didn't want to eat in public even in the dark the way that I ate. You know, I began to be jittery in the morning. You know, that's when I started to have some food in my end table, in my car, in my desk at work because I never knew when that jittery feeling was going to come up and I had to make sure that I had my fix with me. So this is the turn. This is when the boomerang is starting to cut him to shreds because life was becoming incidental. Life was being set up only so that it could permit him to drink in the way that he needed to drink in order to survive. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Janice, please. Thank you, Leah. All right, it looks to me like Bill had another big idea. Bill had another big idea, golf fever. Okay, now we're going to go to the country. My wife to applaud... 
and me to catch up with this famous golfer. I was going to be as good as this famous golfer. Bill's next big idea. You know, if he could do something and Lois could stand on the side and applaud him, you know, once again, looking for that acceptance, looking, looking for the outside, looking for the outside instead of the inside. But guess what? He, he tells us, liquor caught up with me faster than I caught up with this famous golfer. You know, liquor's catching up with him no matter how. He's running hard and fast now. He's running hard and fast with yet another idea. You know, maybe if I become a great golfer and then people are going to think well of me. Maybe then I'll have arrived. Maybe then I'll have arrived. But liquor's catching up with him. You know, and the local banker watching him whirl those fat checks in and out, in and out. You know, making some money, spending some money, making some money, spending some money, trying to be a big fat cat, looking for that acceptance that he wasn't feeling inside it. And liquor is on his heels. Liquor is on his heels. No matter how fast he's running, he can't outrun the liquor. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Esther? Esther, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. So in this paragraph, we're reading that he started to golf, and of course golf is something that people with money do, and he's got money. And one thing that I thought of was that Bill has, as soon as Bill makes money, as soon as he has a lot of anything or, or good things come his way, he doesn't handle it very well. Um, you know, we're not reading about him putting money aside or, or saving anything. We just read that, he, you know, the two paragraphs earlier, fortune, uh, fortune through money and applause his way. And what does he, he do with, with, with that gift? Again, he's, he's um, spending money on drinking, spending money on the golf course. He's got, uh, you know, people who, who, uh, who uh, you know, they said sending applause his way, meaning that there are people who approve of what he does, who are giving him the attention. And again, his friends, he's, he's, uh, he's had fights with his friends, turns them away. He's got a wife who's supportive and with him. And the only thing he could say is that um, there was no real infidelity, meaning he wasn't behaving in a way that was, you know, completely appropriate, but that there was actually no real infidelity. So again, um, more and more as you read Bill's story, I see that that even when when good things happen to him, he has no way of making use of it. This is how it was for me as well. Um, I mean, I grew up in a nice family. There, you know, I, I had there were many gifts, you know, that I was given. But you know, when I have a life uh, that's backed by self-will, by self-centeredness, and not God-centeredness, um, those gifts, you know, I I, I spurn those gifts. I I reduce them to rubble. They're you know they they in a way make things worse. And and this is what I see in, in Bill. You've got money. Um, people are you know, um, you, you know you're, you're, you've got the admiration of people that you're able to you know play the stock market in a certain way. And you've got what you want. But but still, his his life is backed by self-centeredness. So there's no way that he's going to make use of any of that. He's going to squander. Everything that comes his way, you know, when his life is, is run by self-will. And it wasn't until I uh, turned things from self-centeredness to God-centeredness where I was able to, 
make use of, of, of life's gifts and 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 really um, build upon you know anything you know any fortune that came my way. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Esther. Anyone else? This is Sharon. Please go ahead, Sharon. That last sentence, the local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. So why was this banker skeptic? The banker was on to him. The deception of others is always rooted in the deception of ourselves. So Bill was thinking he was a fat cat. He thought the money demonstrated who he was. But in reality, people were on to him. They knew, the banker knew that this, it was just a matter of time. He, why did he know? Perhaps he'd seen it before. Because alcoholism, compulsive overeating, is no secret. Oftentimes we think we're hiding it with our V-line skirts, you know, and um, our big sweaters. But, uh, and, and you say, oh, I don't eat much. But people are on to us because they can look at our body and tell. You know, we can say we're just big boned and uh, those types of things. But people are on to us. We're deceiving ourselves. And, uh, but uh, the people are looking at us, you know, they see us coming through the line ordering two Diet Cokes, you know, to go with our bag of, of uh, burgers and fries. Uh, they see it. They've seen it before. Uh, we say, oh, I, I think she wants this, so, you know, to make it look like uh, we're ordering for two people or three people. And yet uh, uh, it's been seen before. Oh, I'm having a party uh, when we go through the checkout line. But it's it's just for us. But uh, people are looking at us with skepticism. So we deceive ourselves. We think Bill thought that he was looking good. Uh, but uh, I think he obviously, because of the way he wrote this, there was a part of him that knew. There's a part of us that knows. They're on to us. We really, uh, if we can be honest with ourselves, if we can open ourselves up to that acceptance of who we really are, um, we would see, and I think he could see, that the banker was looking at him with skepticism about his uh, uh who he was he he and and that's why he needed more alcohol to numb that skepticism that he could see in the eyes of the banker so that the more that um he saw that skepticism the more he wanted to drink and and so that it became a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense the skepticism really demonstrated that, um, or at least Bill demonstrated that the the banker saw what was happening and knew what was happening. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Okay, then we will move on to the next paragraph with Sharon, please. All right, this is Sharon. I managed to do that again, didn't I? Sharon, I'm a a, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, 
Abruptly in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock, five hours after the market closed. The ticker still clattered. I was staring at an inch of tape which bore the inscription XYZ-32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished, and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several millions since 10 o'clock. So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Uh, Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought I had better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living in our accustomed style. I, like Napoleon, returning to Elba. No St. Helena for me, but drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time, we stayed broke. So here... um, the, the market collapsed, and Bill uh, lost everything. But he still had his drink. He still had his delusion. Uh, he still had his, well, in all honesty, there was a positive part. He still had his optimism. He still believed in himself. He hadn't completely uh, lost that part of himself. So he he kept trying. He went to the next thing. And, um, but soon, soon that all ran out. Uh, Eventually, our eating catches up with us. It may be two decades. It may be three decades. But eventually, it all breaks down. Eventually, because we're not building our life on a solid foundation, uh, we'll we'll see and we'll study later that uh, on how you can build a, a life that will endure any storm, that um, will stand up against any tide. But Bill had built his life on fantasy, on illusion, on on um, self deception, on deceiving others. And when the hard times came, he, he grabbed for what he used in the past. And that was more deception. That was more fair-weather friends. That was money. That was drink. That was drinking. And it looked like it was working for a while. But believe me, Lois was watching. And Lois knew in her gut that this was just another gimmick, that soon they'd be back in the same place. And as his life continued, it all began to cave in. And that's with us. It may look like we can keep on eating, but there is an end that we can no longer deceive ourselves because our body will break down, our mind will uh, give in, the food will take over. And we will no longer 
be able to continue. So why not just uh, start today? Why not spare ourselves? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Well, with that, we're going to close our meeting. We will certainly uh, revisit these paragraphs on Monday. On Monday. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from page 164, and I'm going to ask Paula to do that now, please. This would be Paula. Our book is to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you.